Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Happy Sunday, everybody, and welcome into the show. Our guest today is actor and comedian and writer Sarah Colonna. She can be seen as Angie alongside Dallas Roberts, Debbie Ryan, and Alyssa Milano in Netflix's hit show Insatiable. She also had a starring and reoccurring role as Lori in seasons 9 and 10 of Shameless on Showtime, which actually just wrapped yesterday. Essentially, she became well-known as a popular roundtable regular on the hit late night talk show Chelsea Lately. She also served as a writer as well as a producer, star of the show on another project called After Lately. I mean, she has done so many different things and this conversation was the absolute best. I think you're going to love it. I feel like I say that all the time, but it's so true. We had a lot of laughs and just covered so many topics. Sarah is a multi-hyphenate talent and I think you will enjoy this as much as I did, if not more. Head over to the openmicpodcast.show for all of the latest episodes. Thanks for listening and be sure to share this episode with a friend. Welcome in Sarah Colonna. Idly hey. Welcome to another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. Prepare to be astonished with Brett Allen. Dude, we are so gonna party. A pop culture podcast. <gasps> oh! At the Open Mic, no topic is off limits. Great Odin's Raven. Join in weekly as Brett interviews your favorite celebrities from film, television, sports, music, and much more. Plus, you never know who will stop by. The mystic portal awaits. Now here is your host, Brett Allen. Well, we have a huge guest today, and we talked about this in the intro, and her and I were talking off tape as well, just about everything that you've done. Sarah, I tell you, there's just so many topics to cover, and I'm a fan, and I was a fan of your comedy long before I I saw you on Shameless and all the other shows uh, that you have done, just your long list, uh, Insatiable. You've done a lot, but I guess the first question I would ask you is, what has your time like been during the pandemic? Not to focus on the negative, but what has been keeping you preoccupied and busy and what have you or have you not been able to do since we've been locked down? Yeah, it's definitely an interesting time, especially, you know, I mean, I obviously I'm someone who is used to doing live comedy shows as well. So I'd say that's probably the hardest thing because it just is so, um, you know, it's just so much fun and it's just how you connect with people. Like there's, you know, there's so many different aspects of, of doing comedy and writing and all that. But the, the, the one thing with stand up is it's, it's right there. It's like you get instant feedback on, <laughs> on your writing, you know, and uh, um, there's just nothing like, like doing live shows. So that's really, it's been, I've missed it a lot. And I would say there were times probably when I was like doing like a book tour or something where I was performing every weekend and, um, and also while having like a full-time job to where there would be days where I'd be like, Oh my God, I just like, I don't want to perform anymore. I just want to take some time off. And I don't think I'll ever think that way again. I think, (laughs) um, (laughs) I think this is for sure made me realize like, don't take for granted the, 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 the love that I have for, for doing live entertainment. Yes. And you, along with all of the other celebrities and comics that I have spoken to, the echo is very clear that, that everybody's that way, because I feel like for someone like myself who does interviews, I work a day job. I'm a single dad. So I live a normal life, quote, unquote. I say that very loosely, (laughs) Um, if you know what I'm saying. So I don't, 
but I have been involved in your world before I've done background and extra work. And I hear everybody's always working. Like you're always doing something. It's not like you're working on shameless and that's it. You might be working on shameless and be writing for something else or preparing to do a show. So when I hear you say that it's true, like we're all just literally kind of stuck in this odd moment, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know everyone's going through it in, in different ways. So it's, it's definitely like so strange, but um, you know, yeah, I think I thought I'd be better at writing a bunch during this. I really thought I would be, you know, but I, I am very much, uh, especially for my stand up. it's very much um, writing, you know, kind of on stage. Like I like to work out okay. material on stage and, and because it's so hard, you can write something down, but it, it, you just never know, you know? So I definitely, like I had basically, up, you know, last February, I guess was the last time I did um, a, a show, you know, a, a weekend of shows. And it was, it was like, a, oh, okay, I have my new hour really laid out to do a special. And now it's like, oh, that's pretty much, you know, gone, probably not gone, but just you have to, you know, things will have to be changed and all that. I am, I'm doing shows in, in Oklahoma in February. Okay. So, um, so that I'm getting back into it. I'm, I'm going to clubs that I know are, you know, taking specific protocols and doing this and that. And I think, um, you know, we'll see how that goes, but it, it, it definitely will be interesting. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to write a brand new pilot pitch, a Bible for a show. And then it's like, Nope, here we go. No. I'm finding myself doing, you know, I've reorganized. I think we all went through those phases, right? Like we're going to do this. For me, it's been great. Like, I think it sucks that we have a lockdown. My kid is six. As I mentioned, we had to stop doing a lot of things. Yeah, but that's hard. It is homeschooling, but folks like yourself and a million other people are like available and they have all this time. So it's been a pleasure and an honor to talk to folks like yourself and just talk about that. So let's talk about your standup. I've known you as that before anything else. And then I, and then Chelsea and as a writer and a, and a regular, uh, the name escapes me. I'm glad this is round table, round, round table. table. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is not live so we can edit this part out round table. Have you done any of the standup like on Zoom or kind of work? You're one of those that writes things as you go, which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. That answers one question. Have you done any any Zoom type shows where you're kind of like working out bits and premises with an audience or have you stayed away from that? I did one at the kind of in the beginning and it was for um, someone that I know well. He owns three clubs and, you know, they were basically it was like we can do this show and raise money and, and he was able to pay his staff for, for a bit. So um, that was it. And it was, it was, it was actually fun. He kind of got some people had, you know, weren't muted so that you could hear some laughter, but you can't keep everyone unmuted. Cause all of a sudden you'd hear like dogs barking and whatever. Right. So um, he just had like the background. Non- yeah. <laughs> he had like a select few people who agreed to be like in a quiet place or whatever. And so, I mean, it wasn't, it was fun. That being said, I haven't done one since and I don't plan to. <laughs> yeah. It's um, kind of 50, 50 for a lot of comics, to be honest. And I've talked to a lot. Some are all about it. They're like, we're doing this. I don't know if you've heard of the nowhere comedy club. That yeah. Yeah. With Steve Hofstetter and Ben Glebe. They've both been on the show. I've had several of their comics. So they're very pro and, and they're doing I've a had, great job with yeah, it. Yeah. It's really cool what they're doing. And I think the, 
thing that Steve is doing that the, the uh, fund that he has set up in his father's name, where he was able to help give like almost $50,000 to comics individually to help them with their bills and stuff who yeah. aren't in that position where they can be okay, not working. So yeah. I think that's great. Let's talk about how you write because you are a writer. You like to write things on stage. I've talked to others who like bullet pointed out. How does that work best for you? Because I know you mentioned that writing things down kind of is one way that people do it, but you prefer to just work it out on stage. Do you write anything down as far as like premises or bullet points or you oh, just go yeah. up and just kind of like see what sticks? No, I'm definitely a bullet point person. And I like, I'll like, I'll like neurotically right before I go on stage, like write my bullet points kind of over and over to get them in my head. So I, I, there's definitely, I have a notebook, like there's plenty of like actual paper aspect. It's just as far as like writing out sort of a long thing, I've discovered my, I'm so much better when I'm on stage and then, you know, and I like to record myself because then you can like, otherwise you forget because you say, say sure. things off the cuff and you're like, oh great God, that, that, that makes this, you know, like I remember I had this bit for a while that like started as like a sentence and it became like a, you know, five minute story. So you just sort of keep adding on and, and working it. So it is definitely, I definitely have some pen to paper, but it's more like, yeah, bullet point stuff. And then as the audience responds, then you decide this stays in and this is a throwaway, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like I luckily now know pretty fast. I think when I first started, I would probably try, try something over and over and and now I know I'm like, I can get a pretty good feel, like if it's going to work or not, you know, and if it needs to just, you know, just let that go, go, ah, this isn't going to work. Like I yeah. can, I can get a pretty good sense of that now, which is good. And I think the audience is probably happy too, because they don't have to sit through, <laughs> sit <laughs> through anything funny. that I need to toss. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think too, like from my experience going to a comedy club is somebody who goes to see somebody specifically, I think there's, at least I have, I know the expectation of, okay, there might be some new material being worked out, or you might try and tell a story and it's not funny or that doesn't land well. So you might switch it up a little bit. So that's kind of the expectation. And I've gotten used to that sometimes depending on who it is. Yeah. And, and I, I like that process because I find, and I, I feel like a broken record. If you listen to every interview with every comic, I say this every time, I find your world so fascinating because it's not a normal job. It's not something yeah. that I wouldn't do it necessarily. Uh, but to have that ability to go up on a stage and tell a story and a premise and get laughter out of it, I think is just, it's like, it's very psychological and mysterious to me because it's like, how, how does that work? So let's dive into your brain a little bit do you often draw on experiences from your personal life or just kind of what's happening and then sort of develop the idea or the premise from there and then sort of flesh it out when you take it up? Yeah, it's definitely personal life stuff because I find, you know, there's only so many topics, I guess, <laughs> and premises, right? And um, so I find that if I can draw from personal stories, then A, it's going to be at least feel original and um and, and, and I'll feel honest to me, which is the best, like, you know, everyone has their own different styles. And, and, and to me, if, when a, a comedian is, is telling something that you can, you can tell is coming from an honest place, that's like my favorite style of comedy. Um, so I sort of want to mimic that and be able to tell a story. And I think, you know, when you talk about anything from your personal life, 
um, for the most part, everyone can relate to, right? Like a relationship or a friendship or a family. Everyone can find something in there to relate to. So I find that to be the like the most relatable material, even though it's like your own personal thing. It's still something people can kind of connect to. Um, and I think they can also tell, like I said, when you're being honest. So that to me is is more fun and and how I've managed to how I've mostly um sort of shaped my comedy over the past several years has been uh, more like the personal stories. Out of all the things that you do, whether it's stand up, writing, performing, is there a preference for you when it comes to you as a performer or you just like to do it all? I mean, it's funny because I go, I, I, you know, back and forth, I guess, because when I was working on um, uh, Insatiable, which is a Netflix series, and we were like, we filmed it in Georgia and I was there for Four, four or five months, um, a couple years in a row. And I couldn't really tour during that stuff. Cause you're there, you know, schedule wise, like you were there all the time. So, um, I was, it was, it felt like a nice break, I guess, from live performance, like, Oh, I, sure. but then the second that ended, I was like, just itching to go get on stage. So I think it just sort of in a, in a good way, it's like, okay, well, if I'm doing this one thing, sometimes I can't do the other, but they're both there. So I love the, you know, I I'm it, okay. If this jo- you know, when the show series ended, okay, well now I can go back on, on stage. So it kind of balances out in a good way to where I can, I feel like I, I get something, um, you know, from all of it. In researching you and, and learning about more as you as an individual, a big part of your life and career was spent on Chelsea writing, being a round table person. Is that where really things started to break for you as an individual or had you, you had done other things before, right? But this was kind of like the moment where as a writer, you're writing, but then to get invited to be on screen has to be a huge thing. Totally. Oh yeah. It definitely was the break. Um, Cause I, you know, I had, I'd been working here and there, but um, especially with, with that show in particular, it did so much for comedians because it was really the only show that had three comedians on a night and, you know, and it started with not, they didn't even do that. They did like a magazine editor and one comedian. And then finally they were like, wait, why don't we just always have comedians? That's the best, you know, way to work, especially with Chelsea. And that's what people liked best. So it definitely gave a lot of comedians. It was the only place that you got that kind of like platform to, especially I'd say the the bonus of being a writer and being on round table was like, I got to really, work on my, on writing skills for someone else and okay. then go on the round table and do stuff that was only for me, Bits you know, like that, yeah. I do my own personality jokes. So, um, it was kind of a, a good balance in that way. And a little more like challenging in a good way. Like, okay, I've got to write something for Chelsea, but then I have to write something for myself today because I, you know, and it's gotta be completely different. So, um, I did like that aspect of it, but it definitely for sure was the, was the, uh, the platform for a lot of a lot of us, you know, a lot of comedians that got that extra exposure finally, or were on the edge of something. And then, I mean, you know, like the Joe Coy and Whitney Cummings and all these people that like they were obviously known and working a lot. But I just think that kind of stuff put that show put a lot of people over the top. I agree with you, especially Joe Coy, and he shares that story all the time. You know, talking about how Chelsea really gave him a platform to perform. You know, and. I watch it and that show, there hasn't been anything like it since. I, there was a mm-hmm. reboot on Netflix, I think, that they did for a while. And then she did another version of it, sort of. And now she's doing other things. Is there 
is there a lot of pressure when you're taping something like that and it's you and then it's Chelsea and then it's all these other comedians to really just be on your toes and keep in the game, right? There's no distractions allowed. No, it's, it was, it was definitely like keep on your toes because one thing that I learned pretty fast when I first got on the round table was you can't be married to a joke that you wrote for yourself that day because you have no idea what the, another comedian is going to say, they might've thought of something similar. So you got to be able to scrap that fast and have something else to say. I don't know what Joe Coy is going to say. I don't know what Chris Frangel is going to say. I don't know what Kirkman's going to say, you know? So we had to, you had to be ready to really um, play off of each other and, and, and let the, and also, you know, give room to the other comedian. So you couldn't get married to, to doing anything. You really had to stay on your toes. Yes. And she seems to be, I've heard her in interviews and she's very nice and kind, but when she's on, she's very intense. So I can't imagine like what it has to be to keep up with somebody like that. It just, it was a great show. I watch reruns all the time or clips on YouTube, thankfully, because it's still out there and a very popular show. Again, you know, just something that was very cool that there really hasn't been anything like it. There's been imitations, I think, but Chelsea really kind of set the standard for allowing people to just come on and have a platform and become known. And that yeah. obviously paid off very well for you because you've done a million other projects uh, since then. So you did that and you started writing, you were on Chelsea and then did acting sort of hit after that, or was it kind of a combination of the two, you know, cause you had done a few things before, like I mentioned, but then you started doing more and more and more. Yeah, I would say that um, I was definitely um, doing more because at least I had like the platform it had given me gave me a little more recognition and it got a little bit more like, oh, casting directors knew who I was and stuff like that. So it definitely helped with getting um, in the door, especially when the show ended. When it was on, it was a little hard to do anything else because we were I was full time staff there. But when it was, um, you know, I was able to write books and do that stuff. But as far as being on another show, you couldn't really. So once it ended. It, um, it definitely helped to open the door to, to be like, I'm available to do other stuff now. So <laughs> that's very cool. Well, let's talk about your podcast, which is great. Are you my podcast? And <laughs> <laughs> the premise of the show, you know, basically you, you and your co-host, Mary, you break down lifetime movies in your own ridiculous way. It's, <laughs> let's talk yeah. about the birth of that. And if people haven't heard it, kind of what that's all about. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's called um, Are You My Podcast? And it's available anywhere. Thanks for bringing it up. And um, it is, it's so much fun. I mean, you definitely, if you're not a person that watches Lifetime movies, it doesn't matter because we just sort of recap. I think everyone gets what they are. They're these ridiculous premises and predictable plots and, you know, have stupid names. And they're just, I've just always loved them. They're like, they're like my guilty pleasure. Um, so my friend Mary does too. And she's like, why aren't we doing a podcast where we just break these ridiculous movies down? And obviously we go off and as most podcasts do, and you start kind of, you know, just, she's a comedian too. So we have a lot of fun talking about like <laughs> yes. other stuff and something that happens in the movie will make us start discussing something about ourselves or whatever. So, um, it's definitely great if you're a lifetime movie fan and it's definitely great if you're not, I think it's, I, I fully believe we got something for everyone in these, um, recaps because they're 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 just silly and fun and we um you know we we no holds barred we can make fun of the characters and the plot lines and stuff because we don't work for lifetime so <laughs> I love it well as somebody who has watched them had people on from them 
I, I can relate to it because it is very just kind of out there as far as how they come up with their stories and things. And it's, it's yeah. And they, they seem to be in on, I think they're in on the joke, which is the best part, you know? So it's like, they don't take themselves too seriously. And um, you know, they have have great actors in them. It's just that the plot lines are ridiculous, you know? So they're just fun. They're fun to have uh, a lot of fun with. Yes. Her deadly groom. That's the one that I had one of the stars on or both of them. And it's just, yeah, I think you're right. They have to be in on it. Some, on some visceral level, because it's like, really? Like, this is kind of what you've come up with. And I, <laughs> I consider myself somewhat of a creative, but my mind doesn't always work in that realm as far as creating and writing and things like that. It's just wild. And the podcast is great. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. So in regards to that and everything that you're doing, just kind of this underlying theme of writing. Growing up, was that something and I've read a little bit about that. There's not a lot out there that you wanted to do to be a writer and to be a performer, or did that come later on in your life? No, I did. It was always, I always wanted to be a performer. I don't know that I, um, I knew that I liked to write, but I didn't know, you know, I grew up in Arkansas. There was no, when I, when I was growing up, there was no, um, like comedy club in my, in my hometown. And when I went to college, there was not really, there wasn't like open mics and stuff. It wasn't really a thing. So I didn't, I knew that I wanted to, like, I always thought about it, but I just didn't have a way to do it. I, I mean, I studied theater in college. I did, I did a lot of plays. Like I performed all the time, but I never had done anything where I'd like written my own thing and performed it. So, um, so that definitely came later when I moved out here and started sort of getting around the, the comedy scene and, and, you know, really truly stumbling my way through that, having no idea what I was doing, but, um, it, it, it worked out, but it definitely took a while, but, um, yeah, I, I definitely knew I wanted to, I just didn't, um, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know how to put it together. So I, I sort of had to, you know, just as, as anyone does, I guess, with anything, you just sort of have to figure it out as you go. That's interesting. You're the second guest today. Who's been, who li- who's from Arkansas. I'm from Kansas and my family, my mom and dad oh. lived in, in, Bentonville for years so oh I'm from Fayetteville yeah okay so right oh there, yeah. yeah well my father's buried there so I, I've been to <laughs> that sounds really weird to say it like, <laughs> but yeah no, I've, <laughs> I've been there the home of Walmart right I yeah mean, home of Walmart and Tyson chicken yeah yeah <laughs> shout out to Arkansas for bringing us some great talent yeah that's just there's not a lot of that out there I grew up in Wichita Kansas so oh, I, nice. I know there's not the entertainment scene is not hot as it is here in the Bay Area and growing up, I don't, I never really was exposed to a lot of that sort of stuff either until much later in life. Very interesting. It just, the whole thing, how it all fits together is just fascinating to me. I've said that when you get started or when you got started versus how people get started now, do you think it's easier for people to break into the business now than when you started or like what are some of your thoughts and opinions on that kind of working with people younger than you who are getting started versus how far you've traveled and grinded and worked your way to the top yeah I mean I would say I don't think it's easier but I do think there's like a different level of like there's all the social media so there's people that um you know kind of become recognizable from their YouTube channel, their Instagram, like all that beforehand, and then sort of can, can work their way into the industry from that. Um, I don't know that it's easier, but it's definitely an outlet that I, that most, you know, that you didn't have, um, when you were, yeah, 
from Arkansas in the midnight (laughs) (laughs) moving out to Los Angeles, just try to figure out what the hell you were doing. So, um, so I'd say at least there's probably that, um, that outlet and there's, I mean, and there's also just a different level of, or a different like form of entertainment out there now with, with, you know, their YouTube stars and stuff like that. Like that's definitely, um, yeah. 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 I, to me, it's like just so interesting, like how many different outlets there are for people to get discovered like YouTube or Instagram, Facebook. I mean, I didn't even know this, you know, Facebook has like their own TV channel where you can put up shows and stuff like that. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they have like, like, I think it's just called Facebook TV, but they, yeah, they, there's like legitimate shows on all these. There's so many more platforms and stuff too. So I would say probably for, you know, um, and especially a lot of platforms that are sort of geared towards a younger crowd, I guess, or like a lot of shows that have, you know, um, so there's definitely more opportunity if, if someone can get their foot in the door, there's probably more opportunity for, for them to work. Looking back on everything that you've done and how far you've come, is there anything that you would have done differently or some advice that you wish somebody would have given you or that you might give to somebody else looking to break into this entertainment industry or would everything have just stayed the same? I mean, if you would ask me that before, I probably, you know, like I, 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 being broke and being depressed and being like a bartender, like when I was still in my thirties, which is no shame, by the way, it's just not what I wanted. And, and, and moments of like the moments that I, I felt like I, you know, did I make a crazy decision to try to do this? Like, if I look back at those moments, I, 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 I don't want to change them, but at the time I definitely would have, you know what I mean? Um, but I'm, I'm no, I'm glad. Cause I think I'm just, I'm grateful for, for everything. You know, I, I think that if you have to kind of, you know, go through the ups and downs of it, then it kind of makes you appreciate what you, what you have more. And, and so I'm sort of glad I, I had to do it that way. I, advice wise, I would just say to anyone, like, don't try to do it unless you really want to don't just do it. Cause you think you want to be famous. Like it is not, you know, it's it do it because it's something you love because it's a lot of work and there's a lot of heartbreak involved for sure. Yes. More no's than yeses. And yep. <laughs> I've heard statistically like five to 6,000 people a month come to LA to try and make it. And the percentages of people who actually just stay are very small. And the people who actually make it, it's even smaller, but I think with hard work and tenacity, like you've demonstrated, it, it can work. Right. But you know, if there's anything else that you want to do, they say you should probably do that. Because Yeah, I know. I mean, that's what I, I was always like at the times when it was like, you know, barely scraping by, I'd be like, why didn't I think of something else that I would do that? Like, you know, would make it at least not so hard when I, but I just didn't want to do anything else. So that's I, that's definitely what I mean is it definitely has to be something you really, really, really want so that you will write out the the storms and um, and and you'll know in your heart that you, you're supposed to. Yes, which brings us to our last topic as we wrap up here. I would be remiss if we didn't talk about Lori on Shameless. <laughs> oh my God. Some people wish they had a boss like that when they were a young kid, or maybe not. I don't know. I know. <laughs> you get to do fun shows. I mean, everything you've done, I'm sure, has been a wild ride. But this show in particular, Shameless, uh, you played Lori, uh, who was a restaurant manager, owner, and you had an employee, Carl. Uh, I mean, my God, how did you find out about this show? How did that role come about for you? 
I just thought, I, I mean, I, the thing was, I was like, I love that show. I'd always been a fan of it. So when, when I got the, I, I, I just auditioned for it. And when, when I read the, the role, I was like, oh my God, this is so funny. I hope I get this job. But I, the description was definitely a little bit different than me. I, th- I think in their mind at first, it was going to be like someone more his age. So um, I auditioned and ended up doing it. And um, the cool thing was I was only supposed to do well, at the, I, I did season nine, the last five episodes of season nine, and then he quit the job at the end of that season. So I was like, well, that's it, you know? Um, and then they called me that summer and said, they're bringing my character back for season 10. So it was, that meant like, okay, Hey, they liked me. And <laughs> I was shameless perfectly or something. So I was, uh, I was happy about that, but yeah, I just auditioned for it and luckily got it. And I, it was, it was so much fun. I mean, it's so inappropriate. And the guy who plays Carl, Ethan, he's been on that show since he was like nine years old, you know, very little. Yeah. So he has seen it all. So anytime I, like I had to smack him on that butt a couple of times and do, and I would just be like, I'm so sorry. He's like, believe me, I have seen everything on this show. There's nothing that you can do. That's gonna, you know what I mean? Like, he's like, just go for it. Don't worry about it. I'm like, okay, that's right. Like, yeah, it's been fun. I was telling somebody to watch how all of the kids have grown up on that show. And now that it's ending, and now his character is a Chicago PD police officer, which is just a perfect ending for him, yeah. I think. It and is, it is. I feel like on this show, like literally nothing is off limits as far as what they are willing to do. Their pitch level is just crazy, but it's done tastefully and respectfully. And it's just, it makes for good television. And yeah. it was fun watching you on that show and your character and just how you interacted with your employees and Carl and just the whole kid and caboodle. They gave me some good lines. I think my favorite one was was said that I I said um, I was going to be a teacher, but I liked cocaine so much. I just did that instead. And that was, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I laughed out loud when I was reading the scripts that, that I got. So good times. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for being here and just kind of doing a trip down memory lane of your career and just providing some really great content for people and, you have a lot of content out there. Just Google your name, your stand-up special uh, that you did back in 2015. You have a book as well. You have the podcast, uh, all these episodes of Chelsea Lately, After Lately, all of that. If people want to connect and just learn more about you or perhaps follow you on social media, how can they do so? Yeah, um, both my books and um, links to all the pod- to my podcast and everything is all on my website, as well as my tour dates, which obviously aren't a plenty right now, but they're coming up. And that's sarahcolona.com. And then on Instagram, I'm sarahcolona1, because someone got there before me. And um, Twitter and Facebook, Sarah Colona. Well, Sarah, thank you for being here today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.